Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the sociology staff room. Hello and good evening. I'm Katie Tyler and this is the Sociology Staff Room. And today I've got Stephen, an experienced sociology teacher and head of uh, social science talking to me, um, all about deep dive. So I know you've been teaching for 13 years sociology, three years of head of department, and obviously you've gone for a deep dive. I personally haven't. I've been very close to having them, but obviously they came in the way of the sort of normal flow. Um, I think for many schools, we know that this is potentially something that we might experience in the next year or so because of, you know, Ofsted, the big O, catching up. Um, there's been lots of rumours about what they involve. Uh, there's been sort of like hearsay conversations about what they are and what they're not. But what I'm really grateful for is, is I've got someone that's experienced, like yourself, Stephen, is a sociology teacher, is also head of social sciences um, to talk to us about your experience. So first of all, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. Oh, oh amazing. So first of all, from from the horse's mouth, what is a deep dive? Because obviously we've banded around, you know, different chats and teachers from a friend of a friend that's got a friend that had an off uh, an offstand and deep what what is it first of all? So yeah, a deep dive is very much about identifying um, certain departments, certain um, academic areas, and just really drilling down into all aspects of them. So looking at the student point of view, the staff point of view. And um, one of the things that we thought about a little bit when we were looking at it is like levels of ladders um, from the bottom all the way at the top. And if there's that kind of consistency. Um, one of the reasons that we've chosen for a deep dive is that we, we're quite a large department. We've got over 500 students doing. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, we've got about 500 students doing um, sociology and the other departments that had a deep dive when we were offsteaded were um, maths and English. So quite big departments. Um, and I think what Ofsted were trying to do was just move away from just the, let's say everybody within the college and see if there's a consistency in teaching. And um, one of the things I've noticed is that it's more of a, an, uh, like really drilling down into the student experience and whether or not that can be seen throughout from um, the teaching point of view, but also the systems point of view, the recording point of view, and um, obviously all the way up to the, the, the top of the department as well. Okie dokie. So what I'm taking away from that is a deep dive is, like using your words, is drilling down into a department and see that consistency across the school from the students' perspective, through the teachers, that subject teacher's point of view, and obviously into sort of heads of department, potentially see the leadership. Oh, uh, sort of use the sort of word that I've heard bounded around, but maybe it's not right. But sort of is it, would it be that triangulation so that what you're saying is happening is also true to the, because I know you mentioned the word consistency, but it's what's happening for the students' experience. So if you're saying, oh, the students, I don't know, really engage with oracy or something, because I know we've looked at, I've looked at oracy in one of the podcasts previously, they're seeing that in the lessons, they're seeing that in your planning, or if they're not seeing it in that lesson, the students at least say they do do have discussions. Also. Is, that, is that right in understanding that? Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Um, they, they do want to say that triangulation between the intent, and that was definitely something I think needs to be spoken about, I, I think, with um, the Ofsted deep dive, um, because ultimately we're going to say this is our intent, this is what we're, we're planning on doing. This comes all the way from the top all the way down, but even just within our department, the intent of the sociology department is to do this. 
then what they want to see is, well, is that actually being acted out in the lessons by the teachers? Do the teachers actually know what the intent is, like physically asking them, like, deep, what's the intent? Why are you doing this? Um, and then ultimately, do the students know? And yeah. are the students, I mean, I think it all falls back to one key fundamental for me is, are the students getting the best deal diet that they possibly can? And are we saying that? On, and do the students know about it as well? Mm. So do they... And not in a scripted way, obviously. Is that that's what I'm not assuming they're going duh, 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 or or is it that? I, I don't know. I mean, that, one of the things I did was I, I wrote down the intent of the department, and I made sure that the teachers understood what the intent was. And it wasn't just a one-way system. We we had conversations about it, like why are we here? Why are we doing what we're doing? Why do we structure it in the way that we do? Why do we do um, exam skills on the day that we do exam skills? But making sure that the students knew about it and um, making sure the, the, the students understood, understand and could verbalise to the Ofsted inspector, why are we doing what we're doing? Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily scripting it in a way. I wouldn't want them reading from the script, but, uh, you know, so everyone's on the same page and understands what they're doing. And if, move Ofsted to one side. I think it's really beneficial for the students to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, ultimately, yeah. No, I was thinking about it. first of all. Before I move on, to, well, don't forget, in five hundred. I mean, I can't even imagine. It's probably the biggest. I mean, I'm sure someone's going to go message in or whatever. Say, no, I've got a bigger department than that. But I actually, I, I've never. I personally, my whole when I think of a big department, I think. I mean, we talk. Is this across GCSE and A level, or is it just? So A-level? we only have. So we only have 35, approximately 35 GCSEs because it's, it's only for resets. We are a, um, we're a sixth form college. So wow. we, we deal solely in A-levels and wow. a really small handful. So we have, yeah, we have around about um, 500 students. Um, wow. So yeah, big, big I, Honestly, I mean, maybe this has just been really naive and I'm like, oh, wow. But I mean, obviously I've, I've worked in a sixth form college before um but even then the numbers i'm looking thinking back no and then obviously just six form schools tend to be bigger but yours is almost like a whole six form college on its own by the sounds of it i mean it's not like you know uh, you know it's a big task and i can see why you want that vision i mean well done on that first of all but also i think interestingly i i sort of i suppose i've got my own biases about everything and everyone has inherent in biases but actually weirdly when i started looking at it myself as a, as a subject teacher and as as a head of department it really made me think about why I was doing stuff, you know, like who am I doing this for and why am I doing it? And actually that was quite interesting because then I saw the fact the value added in stuff and also the opposite of that. I thought, well, actually that's offering absolutely no value. And that's just to make your lesson look exciting or interesting. And actually there is no purpose. So it's equally about sort of cutting stuff out as well as keeping stuff in. And also teaching, treating students like young adults. So they're involved in that whole process. So definitely, so this was sort of nicely links into my sort of next question really is, what can teachers and I suppose there's two parts of the question what can heads of department do and i suppose one of those is making a clarity of the intent of what you've said um and then feeding that down to the head the subject teachers which then would assume trickle that down to the students is there anything else you know as a head department initially and then maybe as a subject teachers what we should be doing prior to a deep dive um other than just making that intent clear because i'm sure we've all written a text because that's probably something we've been asked to do but probably not with that really fr at the front of our minds like i know i've written one i'm thinking what actually have i written because i wrote that as a thing to do 
as a thing because I was told to do it rather than like a fully embodied it, if that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. And I think some of the times, you know, teachers, heads of department, we do things because we've been told to do them and they're uh, a ticky box sometimes. And I echo what you were saying before about how it actually helps you reflect a little bit on why we're doing certain things. And doing this intent, we deliberately wrote a new one just when we knew Offset were, were imminent. We knew we were going to be um, seen because we were part of a bigger organisation, which was... Um, requiring an improvement and so we knew we were going to be seen um so we wrote a new intent but actually really making sure that we meant it um mm. a lot of people get um worried about Ofsted coming in i've been through i think this was my sixth Ofsted that i've been through as a teacher or head of department mm. and um i i've never really get phased by it because i know that everything that i they say and i tell them like I, I genuinely mean it and it's it's the truth because you'll get found out otherwise so that's one of the the ways that we looked at the intent was like really what is it that we're trying to achieve um let's not tell them we're going to be doing things that we, we shouldn't be doing and actually i seen that there was a bit of a weight lifted off the shoulders of the staff and the teachers and the team because they understood that well as long as we just do our job that the job that we do every day um that lives up to this intent and there's a purpose behind it, then we, we haven't got as much to fear. Um, obviously, you know, that, that inspector walking into your classroom is always going to just get the heart racing a little bit faster. But ultimately knowing that what we do isn't a lie. Mm. It's, it's real. It's what we do on a daily basis. Um, and we've, you know, we all know those students who turn around and say, oh, such and such a teacher changes when an Ofsted inspector comes in or when they're being observed. And I just wanted to remove that completely from the team. Look, there's, we don't need to do special lessons. We don't need bells and whistles or anything like that. What we need to do is just demonstrate to the Ofsted inspector that what we do on a daily basis is it's meaningful for the students. Mm. And the students can articulate that as in this is the reason why we're doing it. Um, so I would definitely say to heads of department, people who are going to be involved in that, just make sure that what you're doing with your intent, but also in your lessons that week and any conversations that you have, that you're just honest and mm. it, it's it's truthful to what you would do on a daily basis. Mm. So a couple of things that you've just said that are really interesting there is that idea of Yes, the intent is not just something that you just got to do. And I think like for me as, as a, you know, looking at sociology particularly would be to go back and think, well, actually, when I wrote that intent, what, what frame of mind was it something that I was doing because I knew there was a deadline? And actually now I've sort of been teaching for, you know, another, because things are very, very different. We were sort of writing them. A lot of us were doing Ofsted as an Ofsted pandemic. Um, which obviously is slightly different, but actually now re-looking at those and that honesty, because ultimately if, you, if you're going to, like you said, you're just going to get found out anyhow. It's not going to be something that's going to be true or real. And really, I, I mean, I said at the beginning, is it the case of it head of department down to subject teachers, down to students? But really, it's really the other way up, isn't it? Because if you're putting, and this is being me being idealistic, but actually what you do is, is for the students and they're learning their experience. So actually it's, it's that that's dictating your intent and you doing what's, what's really meaningful i think you said it earlier to those students you get i think you said the best deal i think that's the words you said are they getting the best deal and actually maybe not looking at it from what you want it's what 
the kids deserve or the students in front of you deserve rather than go oh this is what I'd like to do and I look at this and I look at this or whatever it's actually these are the students in front of me this is the, the ability they're at this is where they're coming from these experiences they've had actually am I doing what I'm saying going to do for them so maybe is that right looking at from there from that that point of view I think that's a really good position to look at it from um you know one of the questions that we ask we've kind of moving aside I suppose from Ofsted a little bit but just as, you know, as teachers or heads of department is if that was my son or daughter are they mm. getting the best deal that they possibly can you know from every lesson from every assessment from the amount of work that we're doing it's not about overworking people it's about doing the job that we're paid to do but ultimately um, and I think if you look at it from that aspect now one of the things I was talking we were talking about there about the, the size of our department we are an inner city um, sixth form we do get a lot of students who come to us who have been rejected from their school sixth forms we're very inclusive um, as long as they get fives fours and fives in their subjects then they can come and study with us and with that comes that responsibility to know that there's a different intent it's about those life skills you've mentioned oracy it's about developing those life skills all of those things have to go into the intent i think and if you are to write it from a top-down approach i think you it might be a little bit too um i suppose idealistic in terms of this is what i would like to happen and every student is going to do this but it's it's that's just not the case is it we you've got to look at it from the student point of view what is it that they need and how are we going to deliver that and at the end what is it that they're going to achieve at the end because value added you know we, we get students who come through with um their value added would be a c and like it, some people would say well that's not really value added but for the students that we have that is and the intent for that student is going to be different to the intent for a student who's value added as a star mm, definitely and it's knowing who's in front of you isn't it rather than you know, I don't know, taking one, like, I know that we are a community of sharing. I know that, like, obviously in Facebook, people share lots of ideas, but actually that's that intent, that sort of those three eyes are written from the, from us, from those students that are in front of them. And that not, might not be applicable to your students as well. So it's really, really important. Are there any other things other than those we talked a lot about the intent? And obviously I assume that's the implication as well, that how we actually implement that intent. Like it's all well and good saying we're gonna do this, but if we're not doing that actually in the classroom and the students aren't uh, seeing that as well, then obviously that's not that consistency you spoke about. Are there any other things that we sort of need to get into place um, not just for Ofsted, because obviously, I, I don't, you know, Ofsted will come and go and their sort of criteria will, will change potentially over time. But with this being in mind that this is helping the students, I don't think in preparation um, that we could be doing in regards to sort of the deep dives, other than obviously making sure our intent's clear and that we're sort of implementing it effectively and appropriately. Uh, yeah, um, I think systems were uh, quite a big thing with our deep dive. So uh, our, day, our, our inspection was split into two days. Luckily, she was only like with me for two days. I think she was quite happy after the second day and she didn't need to come back. First day was very much about seeing in the classroom kind of things. And um, second day was really interesting. And this goes back to what I was saying about like the, the learner diet and how it's differentiated, individualized. Um, want to look at systems so she wasn't they wanted to look at um like attendance for example and picked out student with say 70 percent attendance and wanted to know well what systems are in place to support that student 
Um, so we really looked at our kind of our trackers, um, what's, what grades does that student get and, and made comparisons between that student and a student getting 95% attendance, really high grades. Um, it, it, I think having systems and robust systems with accurate data, which is honest as well. I mean, we had students, students actually looked at who had 60% attendance, who were failing formal assessments regularly, were really struggling. And I think all that they were really interested in seeing was what are we, what are we doing for that student? So how much intervention is there? How much tracking is there? How many notes are on the system for that student? And it should be um, kind of the, the diet should marry up, so to speak. So whereas if you had a student with 90% attendance, then they're not expecting to see loads of notes on about, our oh, must attend catch up or really concerned about the student, et cetera, et cetera. Um, having an appropriate amount of information on our systems for the student based on who that student is. Um, then they went back and they wanted to see or speak to some of those students ideally again to triangulate to marry up what i'm saying we're doing what the system's saying we're doing and then what this student is actually doing um i so yeah i think that's a really important area that people need to be thinking about at least is are our systems strong enough to give us the data to back up what we're saying we're doing but also isn't just a load of lies and mm. and you know telling them everything's rosy they, they, our inspector was really happy with the fact that we had some students who just were not achieving and they were struggling, but there was an appropriate amount of support that was um, driven by the data for that student. It goes back to I suppose the honesty, isn't it? Like you said, it's all well and good having the systems in place, but if the systems are just a system and actually you're not doing anything with those systems, so you're saying that. I don't know, after if students hit X amount of attendance percentage, you're doing catch up on a Thursday, but actually that's not happening. And you ask the students, do you go into catch up? Or even if they're, I suppose, not attending catch up, it's them, well, what do you do after that? So I suppose, again, go back to that triangulation. Are, are those systems and those intent actually falling down on those students? Because it feels like it's moving away from, is this like, like right sort of back in the day where it was sort of like, the magical sort of Ofsted lesson they go in and it's fantastic actually it's looking like you said at right at the beginning it's deeper than that that if the students are saying this is happening or you're saying this are oh, the students actually receiving that and if they don't attend is that being followed up are they being and, and I suppose from not just a an academic sense but also like a sort of well-being sense as well uh, I suppose that marries into SEN as well and pupil premium and knowing those students and they're not just a student that you're aware of their backstory as well um so it sounds like there's a lot no. of clarity in knowing who your students are is, is that is that right in me understanding that yeah i think so um that was probably one of my key takeaways was know your students so i had to know them from a department viewpoint and the teachers had to know them from their point the students had to know as well so it, when they were in class the, the uh, inspector was going around saying so what grade are you currently working at how do you know you're currently working at and then they were saying well can you show me so then the student would go and get their assessment book and bring it over and show them the trackers um just know the students because i, I think the inspector was really trying to become the student to put themselves mm -hmm. into the 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 place of that 
student to understand what is it like to be a student at this sixth form studying sociology. So if I'm a 60% attendance student and I've got maybe mental health issues, anxieties, things stopping me from going into lessons, what's my life like? What's What experience am I getting? What support am I getting? And yeah, we need to know the students. We need to know what progress they're making. But ultimately, I think possibly more importantly, the students need to know that information. So, um, you know, when when you're doing your, your walk around the classroom, when they're doing an activity, occasionally ask them, so how are you performing? What, what grade are you getting? What did you get in your last assessment? And it starts feeding into the heads a little bit. The students are like, right, OK, I need to know what it is that I'm doing. Because when Ofsted come in, they will ask the student. And um, well, luckily, we drill it into the students. Um, we do weekly knowledge tests where they're having to fill out a tracker and they can really think about what it is that they're, they're doing, but also mm. where they're at in the in the, the whole oh, process of achievement. And where they need to improve as well, I'd assume. So it's not just about, because again, I'm sort of yeah. trying to put the head on of not like doing things just because there's a deep dive. I mean, again, going back to that sort of importance of the students, that actually if they know because ultimately they're there to learn and you know they could potentially be studying somewhere else or doing something completely different or on an apprenticeship so if they're going to spend two years at college or six form uh taking sociology for argument's sake they really really need to know not only what grade they've got but also how they're going to improve because obviously they're taking autonomy for their learning and and also i suppose making teachers accountable for that as well so it's that like you said putting that the Ofsted inspector was really putting themselves in their in a student's shoes. So if you are that sixty percent student, you know what support are you getting? What should, support should you be getting as well? And giving them a voice maybe to say, well, hang on a minute, this is what I'm supposed to be getting, um, and this is what I need to work on as well. I, is, is that right? I'm just yeah. really trying to get a full oh, yeah. picture of it in my head. Like, yeah. No, definitely. I I think um, exactly what you said. I think you could sit down you can think about that student coming on the first day of September all the way through until exam day and what is the thread look like um what are they doing do the students know what they're doing so I mean everyone you know people who've been involved in Ofsted uh, before or anything like that the sequencing um the sequencing of the two years though as well so really trying to get a, a, an understanding I think that links back to the intent as well and I would put the sequencing within the intent what, what is it we're doing and then the implementation side of things so when are we doing it why are we doing it then so you know this wasn't asked of me but I know this was asked of another um, department that I had deep dive and so why are you studying this book of poetry now so I was thinking about that from a sociology point of view you know if you get someone who's a bit of a nouse about sociology or an expert in sociology they might turn around and say so why when do you do research methods why do you do it then I think yeah I think it would be useful if heads of department and the team knew why they were doing it and I don't think there's anything wrong with maybe the students knowing that as well because they're going to be asked and not just because they've going to be asked, I suppose for them, they need okay. to know like why things are happening when in order to understand their learning. So like, it makes, it makes me think about something that's said to the students today. I, I actually don't, uh, you know, obviously different examples give you um, schemes work. I, I don't necessarily follow that, complete that sequence because it doesn't, for me, sociology is very much spiral learning if it's repeated. And I, I said to the students, we're now at a part of a course where actually everything's going to feel 
like repetition. And the reason we do that is because sociology is synoptics. So we've already looked at policies, but we look at policies again when we look at differential achievement. And I think actually then the students know that you're not just think like they're probably sitting there thinking, why are we doing this all again? We've just looked at this. And if you just say, well, actually, everything's interlinked and you'll see this when we move on to like criminal, we'll look at policies again and we'll probably look at education. So I suppose it's having that, I suppose what goes on in the teacher's head, that narrative. So the students are thinking, why are we doing this? I'm sure we did this last lesson sort of thing. I suppose it's keeping them on that journey. Because I was thinking about my own experience as a student. I never really knew why I was learning anything when. Like, you know, we're like talking about my, whereas I think that's what's changed now. Like you just sat there passively and you really didn't know what was happening next lesson or lesson next after that. And you really didn't know what the end goal was. Whereas actually, you know, I suppose you could stay at the induction. Our end goal is to look, I don't know, those core debates is for me that's what it all comes down to consensus versus conflict structure versus action and we're looking at how far that exists in all of those things those institutions in education and family etc um but yeah it keeps it quite holistic i suppose the learning experience yeah but i, I think if and as long as you can articulate the reason why you're doing mm. that uh through your intent um that the teachers could say with confidence why that's happening mm. i think I think they would be quite pragmatic about it that the students probably wouldn't know the ins and outs of what like you know all of mm. those things that you've just talked about but um I think it's important that they they would understand certain aspects of it um I, I don't think the the inspector would ever turn around and say well why are you doing research methods now I think that would be a question that the, the head of department or the teacher could easily be asked though about that the whole sequencing and what you're planning um the, there wasn't a massive amount I'll be honest with you when we were inspected um around about the the, the, the core elements I suppose of of what we do um one thing that might be quite useful to know would be around um talking about well you're quite exams focus and exams there was a clear link to exams and um going back to the honesty thing i was talking about before i just said to the inspector honestly we've got around about 90 subtopics that we've got to teach in two years and there's three exams at the end of them where the students have just got to do really well in it we do teach them debates we do oracy we have conversations but ultimately there is that link and uh, you know as long as you're honest and you understand like you're saying why you do something and you can you can really back it up with a confidence you know i i, I well, we were okay in our offset maybe it's just because of the inspector that we had i don't know but um she came she came away really like confident with with what we were saying and, and why we were doing it the word that keeps coming into my head as you're talking is integrity that's the word, like, that's what comes from you. And I think that's maybe, you know, we're not doing it. I think it goes back to the first thing you said, which is who are we doing it for? And it's for the students. And yes, it so happens that Ofsted are coming in and, and expecting that. And, and maybe Ofsted has moved to sort of that idea of the student experience, that diet, that triangulation. But what I'm hearing from you or what I'm sensing is that's that sense of integrity. And you can't argue that, can you? You can't, you can't, where do you go when, you, when you're being honest and genuine? Like there's nothing you can do. I think as soon as it starts unraveling, it's where you're not having any of those things. And and actually, actually, like you said, go back to that student that got 60%. It's good that you know, like say if that student's got 60% attendance and they're underachieving or whatever that might be, it's knowing that the worst thing is you don't know it and it goes onto the radar and you're like, Oh, like I didn't. Whereas if you're aware of it, okay, and you've tried everything, the students still underachieving. It's that knowledge in that, um, rather than going, 
the, the Ofsted inspector is highlighting it to you because it's a bit like that thing with parents evening isn't it where how can the parents support you if you're the first time telling them that your, their child is underachieving but you've waited to a, a parents evening to be told you don't really want to be waiting to an Ofsted inspection to be sort of highlighting the fact that a student's underachieving potentially um yeah no yeah I, I totally agree and um obviously if I'm reiterating myself I apologize but I think it is a really important message that um you just do what you do and do what you do well um don't because if they see that little thread of doubt they're just going to pull it and it's going to unravel and you you people will get found out and you know we've all been observed before or, or seen observations where it's not going particularly well and it starts getting worse and worse and worse the Ofsted's exactly the same and it's not just the observation element of it it's like if you're sitting down having a conversation with them they know that the professionals they they know when something's not quite right um some people might say it was a bit silly pushing a student with 60 percent attendance towards uh, an Ofsted inspector but I was confident that we we everything that we had was was there it was honest there was there was um we weren't hiding anything um yeah we want we always want the Ofsted inspectors to see the A-star students who've got nine like 99 100% attendance and gone other days though where we can send kids away for a week um, just have a week off while Ofsted are in because it will be picked up s still mm. somehow. They should and it should be, shouldn't it? Like off rolling and it has to be picked up because ultimately, like you go but again, the bearing back to something you said earlier was actually two things that sort of clear, keep them drumming in my head is your integrity, but also remembering those that could be what would you want from your own children? Like you know, if you if you've got children or if you're an aunt or an uncle, or whatever, is like would you want that experience or even for yourself? You know, like if you were that fourteen or 15 year old doing GCSEs or A level students 17, 18 years old. What what diet what experience do you want? So yeah, there's so much from this. I think the last thing I'm sort of going to end on here is just one question for you is is there anything you would do differently now in hindsight? Because hindsight's a beautiful thing. Is there anything you would change from your experience or add to your experience in preparation for for the deep dive? It's a, it's an interesting question. Um the honest answer is no, um, mainly because I always approach Ofsted in terms of they are just humans. They're here to do the job. They, they've got the best interests of the students. They're not here to catch us out um, or, or find faults in us. They, they're, just, they're just following a thread and seeing where it takes them. And if, if they're happy at the end of it, then, then you know, we've got nothing to worry about. Um, the experience of some of the other departments um, w was different. Um, I would definitely say be prepared for a lot of book scrutiny. Um, so the maths department, for example, they basically said, I would like the entire class's books and we're going to look through them. And this was an offset inspector who was a maths ex, like an ex-maths teacher. So knew what they were talking about, knew what they were looking for. So just be prepared for that, I would say. Um, I, I was, I, I don't like using the word luck, but we were in a position that um, our deep dive went really, really well. Um, I think we got a very fair inspector and I was prepared um, to the nth degree because I, I, I hate 
being unprepared and I don't want someone saying something to me that puts me on the back foot because then that's when I start unraveling as well. Um, just the preparation, know your students. That is the key thing. Really know your students, know what you're doing, why you're doing it and make sure that the students know that. Um, they, they, I would say they were the, the, the key things that any teacher or, or head of department can really take away from that. Amazing. Thank you. And thank you for your sharing it because obviously I appreciate that, um, you know, it's 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 a November cold evening and it's seven o'clock at night that we're recording this. And obviously you've got 500 students and I assume just as a lot of big department of staff as well to sort of coordinate as well. So thank you for your time. And, you know, really great to hear. Actually, it's not as scary as we might think. And actually, as they say, honesty is the best policy. It is 100%. Um, but, well, thanks for having us on. It's been uh, really fun to talk to you. Hopefully it's thank been useful. You. Oh, it's been different for me personally as well. And I'm sure it'll be for other teachers as well. So thank you ever so much. And you take care. And um, yeah, all the best for the rest of the academic year. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Bye. Th thanks, Stephen. The Sociology Staff Room is brought to you by tutor to you Sociology. Find us at tutor2u.net forward slash sociology or follow us on Twitter at tutor2usoc or Instagram at tutor2usoc. You can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.